Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Peace be with you, church. Peace be with you, nation. Peace be with you, world. Peace be with all of you here in this house, in this worship group, this tech group, and all the folks that are here. Um, peace be with you. I'm really excited that um, we've got a special guest today that's going to share communion with us. I can't, uh, I can't wait. I'm always so excited when he shares communion with us today. So um, stay tuned right after the sermon. We're going to sing a song and then ju- jump right into communion. Um, and I think, it'll really, uh, I, think it'll really bless, I think it'll really bless you. I want to talk to you about something really, really important. We, uh, we're in the midst of a lot of craziness right now. And so I think it's really important for us to talk a little bit about my favorite meal of the day, which is breakfast. <laughs> I just want to start off right, start off right by getting a good breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. And I think it's all my grandma Dot's fault. It's probably a little bit my mom's too. My mom was like the, the pancake champion. She could, get, she could get the butter, like real butter, around the outer edge of the pancake, you know what I'm talking about? So it's got like that little kind of crispy edge to it, you know what I'm saying? My grandma Dot, her breakfast were out of control too. She would make so much food. Now she would actually do what's called burn the sausage, which I think is just how you're supposed to make sausage, but apparently that's to other people that's burning the sausage. She used to call it being blessed by the Pope. I have no idea what that means. I don't know if that was like my the beginning of my call to ministry because I loved, anyway, so moving along. But her eggs, she'd make eggs with heavy cream in it instead of milk, so they were just like thick and just beautiful, amazing. Of course, real butter. All of a sudden, I'm realizing why I'm such a big person. And I'd have bacon on the side. It was amazing. And she made these things called angel biscuits. And they were like these little teeny biscuits that you just pop in your mouth. They're so amazing. That's probably where I got my heavenly nature. What y'all think? My angel biscuits? So probably not. But her dinners were the best. They were probably, if not, they were probably even better than the breakfast. And her dinners were just pull out all the stops, and she would make everything. It was where I first learned about something called Omaha Steaks. I didn't know what that was. I just thought my, my grandma was really, really good at finding great steaks and seasoning them, and she would get these steaks, and they had bacon around the outside of them. Oh, they're so amazing. And we'd have fried corn. We'd have fried squash. That's a lot of fried stuff. That's all right. And we'd have cabbage, and we would have cornbread. I mean, she would make the whole thing, and then you'd have this amazing amount of dessert. She made Harvey Wallbanger cake and chest pie and all that stuff, and oh, my gosh, it was absolutely amazing. And the thing is, I still smell those things whenever I make some of those dishes that my grandma used to make, I walk into my house and I get this sense, this feeling of home. And when I taste those things, if I can get it just close enough to what she used to make, oh, it just feels like home. It tastes like home. One of the best parts, though, she had this charcoal grill out in the backyard and she, where she'd make the steaks. And we'd go sit out. It was underneath this apple tree on this wrought iron furniture. We'd sit out there and, and uh, look for good apples that would fall from the tree. And she'd take me over and she'd say, come here, let me show you something. They call, she called me Matthew. Of course, everybody did when I was a little kid. Come here, Matthew. And she'd pull open the grill and she'd point to one of the steaks. And she'd say, this steak has your name written all over it. And I don't know if she ever gave me that steak, if it like ever actually lined up, but it always was amazing. I wanted to know which steak had my name on it because it was such a treat to have this amazing meal. The care and the love of that moment defined me forever. She wanted me to have something great, and she wanted me to have it in great abundance. 
Now, I can't remember what all we talked around, around that table, but it was family and it was love and all were welcome. All were welcome there. This week, we're homesick again. It's our sermon series number two on homesick. But this week, we're talking a little about the taste of home. What's it mean to taste home? And so I want to know from you, what is it for you at home? What is that taste when you taste that food at home that really makes it feel like home? I want you to text me right now. I'll get it during my sermon. It'll make me happy. I'll love to see that. Or you can put it in our Facebook chat or however you're watching us this morning that you can, find, that you can tell me what it is right now. Your favorite taste of home. I'll give you just like 10 seconds, see if I can catch up a few of them and, uh, and see if they'll come up so I can, I, can, I can shout them out live. In the meantime, I'm going to taste my coffee, which makes me feel like I'm at the worship place because <laughs> it tastes like worship. All right, as those start to come in, I'll see if I can't read a couple of them out. If y'all, if y'all hear them in the other line, liver mush. That's disgusting. Whoever put that in, liver mush. That's not a real thing. I'm not even going to say that one. All right. We got any others? Oh, they're coming in. They got us. Homemade flour tortillas. Marco, yes. Watching this up there. Okay, okay, good. What else we got? Anything else? Got anything else coming in? All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hash. Hash. That's the mysterious thing in South Carolina that's like yellow, and nobody knows really what it is. It's just, oh, it's gray? It's gray? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's definitely not corned beef hash. Anyway, those great tastes of home. Open your scripture with me. We're going to John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. John chapter 2, and I'm reading the NRSV today. John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and, a mother, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, man, let me just tell you, if my kids talk to me like this, I mean, woman, <laughs> what concern of that is to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. So in perfect mother form, she ignores his insolence and says, <laughs> says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there, think about this, were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and didn't know where it came from, though the servants knew who had drawn the water, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Now this seems like a small miracle, right? But this is like Jesus' first miracle. It's the one that everybody kind of points to. It's, but, but here's the thing, church. This miracle defines for us who Jesus is. Now, now stay with me on this, okay? This really defines who Jesus is in three ways. Here's the first one. One, Jesus is grace-filled. Grace-filled. Think about it. He's not ready. 
He even openly says to his mom, I'm, I'm not ready. My, my hour hasn't come. I'm not supposed to really let loose yet. But he does it anyway because he's willing to care for those he loves. Jesus is grace-filled. Two, the second part of his identity here. Jesus is full of hospitality, radical hospitality. All are welcome with Jesus, but he wants all to have the best. He doesn't just turn this into some sort of elevated grape juice, but the best wine. The miracle comes forth with the best wine. So much so that this steward, the one who's in charge of everything, that tastes this says, how in the world are you saving this great wine until now? It's because Jesus is full of hospitality, radical hospitality, where all really are welcome. Third, Jesus' miracles are abundant. These are the hands that will bring the kingdom of God to the earth in all its fullness for all to see and share in. This is a really big deal because up to this point, you have to remember, so many were excluded. So many were on the outside. So many weren't welcome. These were folks that that could have just sort of been, oh, just save this just for the wedding party. But no, in great abundance, now all are welcome to the table. Jesus didn't discriminate who got to share in the great wine. And he made more than enough for all to share. Think about this. Each of those six stone jars, do you remember how many gallons it said that each could hold? 20 to 30 gallons. I don't know about you. But I I don't think I've ever had a gallon of wine myself. You're talking about six times 20 or 30. You're talking about up to maybe 180 gallons of wine that's now available. The best stuff there is available for everyone there because Jesus' miracles are abundant. That means everyone got to enjoy the fullness and not just for that night, not just for that moment, for everybody after that for days and days and days because that's who Jesus is from the very first miracle. All the way through, Jesus gave in abundance, and all were welcome to take part in the miracle. Earlier, I talked about growing up with a grandma who was a great southern cook that figuratively made me who I am. It was always enough. You couldn't eat more than she had available. No way. She always made more than enough. And it's made me want to cook the same way. I always want to make sure that there's more than enough. But even more, all were welcome at her table. Any of my friends could come and eat that dinner too. Anytime we were there, we were always invited to invite somebody else to come to the table and eat. It defined me as a young man. It made me make sure that I made enough. So that if I'm cooking outside and I have neighbors walk by, I'm going to always make sure that I've got enough to take care of them too. It made me who I am. And food is such a huge part of our identity, right? It's about who we are. Remembering to, to, to try all kinds of different foods from other cultures, it kind of makes me glad that, I, that I've gotten exposed to so many great things, even though I think that everything ultimately is better fried. <laughs> but even more. We are literally what we eat. That food literally made me who I am. I remember this old Schoolhouse Rock commercial from when I was a little kid. I'm showing my age here. But it said, you are what you're eating from your head down to your feet. Y'all remember this? And he was like walking through this weird factory that was supposed to be a human body. It was real strange. Now that I look back at it, I'm just like, man, 
were they they were they were on some stuff when they were making this is all I can I don't know what's going on when I look back at this stuff but I remember it and I took it literally when I was a kid we went to this place it was called Bonanza and it was like this huge giant buffet it was imagine like Golden Corral in the 80s before it was Golden Corral before they had all the safety precautions in place and the spit guards right it was just wide open massive buffet and I remember going to the Bonanza with my family after church one Sunday and I just was thinking about this you literally are what you eat from your head down to your feet and I looked at the lettuce and I said, nah, (laughs) I don't want to be made of that. That's disgusting. I don't want that to be part of who I am. And yet it's not far from the truth. What we eat does become part of us, right? We take in that it becomes part of our bodies. Now, I'm not telling you that to just go off on some sort of science tangent, although it'd be a really fun thing for you guys to research at home. Watch that old Schoolhouse Rock commercial. It's fantastic. But rather, I want to remind you what the center of our worship and spiritual life is. Uh, Is it possible, uh, Danny, that we could get a camera for just a minute while I'm talking and just focus it right down here? I want you guys to see this centerpiece of our worship life is the communion bread and wine. And I want to talk about why this is such an important thing, especially for us here today. In the midst of all the things that are going on, I want to point us back to this place, this communion meal, where Jesus gathers us in for forgiveness of sin, knowing that we are broken, knowing that we don't have all the answers, knowing that we are empty and Jesus chooses to fill us, to make us who we are, forgiven children of God, and then literally make us who we are with the empowerment to go out and be the gospel. That the bread and the wine become part of who we are. This, we believe, is the body of Christ. And it's literally going to become part of us. We believe that Jesus is fully present in that meal. And as we eat it, Jesus becomes part of our physical presence. And when we breathe, just like science tells us, that our breath is the release of that which we have eaten, which means, therefore, that our breath is Jesus coming forth from us. Our energy is Jesus. Our words, our breath, our actions are Jesus. And who Jesus is becomes who we are. That means that we too have miracles in our hands. Brothers and sisters in Christ, think about it. What we do matters. How we act and live matters. How we love and care for others matters. And Jesus gave the best for all in great abundance. So therefore we do too. It is what defines us. It's what makes us who we are. Jesus within us, full of miracle makers. This world is full of miracle makers. My son uh, went to the protest this week. I was so proud. Now, regardless of your politics or where you stand on any of this stuff, let me just tell you, to have a teenager that's thinking about those things with such great depth makes me so proud that he cares to stand with the people who are hurting. He wasn't out there to take selfies and act like a fool, (laughs) but rather took the love of Jesus to stand with our black neighbors and said, we are with you. We stand with you. We can't understand your pain, but we stand with you. 
If one of us can't breathe, none of us can breathe. Black lives matter. And in truth, that probably is only just the beginning. Black lives matter is probably just the ground floor because black lives are valued. Black lives are important. Black lives are part of the body of Christ. Black lives are miracle makers too. Black lives matter is just the beginning. You are all welcome. Jesus says you are all welcome at my table. I've got abundance with your name written all over it. So many of you have asked me or texted me or shot me emails kind of saying, with all this going on, what can I do? What do I do? That's typically what we white folks want to do. We want to fix it. We want to figure out what we can do to change. We want to just shift our whole lives to figure out what we can do. And there again, we take this power in our white privilege again. The truth is being a Facebook warrior can't be all you do right now. Yes, sharing a great article or a great sermon. (laughs) You see what I did? (laughs) That's a good thing. But checking in on people through social media, that's, that's also a good thing. But what would it look like if in your homes you committed time to read a book together about racial division? Talk about it with your kids, with your family. Pray as a family for all people and invite them to your table. Love your neighbors that look differently, look different than you. And figure out ways that as God puts people in your circle who are different than you, figure out ways, you remember a few weeks ago, to serve your circle. Remember, that's where God wants you to start, right there in your circle. Because it's easy to see who's at your table. We often forget two other things. Who's not at your table and who's the one that's ultimately serving you? How can you turn that around? Who does the Lord want you to have at your table? And how can you and your family become the ones serving? How can you give miracles away in great abundance for all? Here's the good news. Sisters and brothers, the Lord has already set a table for you and invites you to come and eat, invites you to be fed in the Spirit. So brothers and sisters, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then see that you have miracles in you too. Invite others different than you to come to your table. Get to know them in deep relationship. Find out who they are. Hear their stories. White people, stop trying to do something and just listen. Taste forgiveness and love and grace that comes in that table. And then share it beyond who differ along your party lines. Share it with those who differ in socioeconomic ways, who speak different languages than you, have different cultures than you. Speak love and life and grace and forgiveness with those who have a different story than you. Our action in a broken world is a foretaste of this feast to come. It's a small taste of what God is going to do. When, like I said earlier, Jesus brings the kingdom of God to earth in all its fullness. That table is a table where all are welcome. A table where all are fed. A table where no one is pushed away. 
a table where black and white children play and eat together, a table where all people are given great abundance, a table where every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together at one table, one body of Christ together. Because this bread has your name written all over it. As it does all of those who are different than you. That is who Jesus is. And that is who defines us. It's Jesus. Like in the first song we talked about, you say, who do you say that I am? Jesus defines who we are. And then a call on the Lord to heal our land, heal this nation. That's why black lives matter. That's why this table is set and ready for all of us. Matter of fact, there's a seat at the table for every single one of us. That's what grace and gospel means. It's got your name written all over it. Pray with me if you would. Gracious God, heal our hearts, heal our land. Give rest to those who are hurting. May they find comfort Help us to stand against the sin of racism. And forgive us when we don't. Lord, bring together your body. Fill us with your bread and wine, a taste of forgiveness. Give us a breath of Holy Spirit. Remind us that miracles reside in our hands because you reside within us. And Lord, may your church not be silent. For if we are, even the stones will cry out. Lord, may we be reminded always that if one of us can't breathe, none of us can breathe. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.